What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Villanos, and we're back at it with another request episode, the first one of the year. And today, we, we got a number of seniors, and so... Just so y'all know from here on out, until we get most of our senior requests done at the least, it's just going to be senior players. Uh, in the off season. maybe we'll do some underclassmen or juniors or or middle schoolers. We've done that before, and you know we definitely have a couple on the radar. But for now, it's going to be seniors just so that we give the most seniors um, credit and recognition possible. Because, you know, that signing day is coming soon. And then even after that, there might be some, um, you know, you never know. There may be some room for them to uh, still sign somewhere or to or to still decide on somewhere to go. So with that being said, today we got four players. That's three quarterbacks and then one lineman. And yeah, I'm just going to, it's just me today. Cody's request episodes will drop on Wednesdays. And so that's usually how this will work. I have the Monday request episodes. Cody has the Wednesday request episodes. And then Friday, we got our main episodes. So, you know, these episodes, as y'all saw before, they'll usually be shorter than a regular episode. So there you go. With that being said, let's get right to it. I'm just going to go one after the other. And so coming up next, we got Ben Goldtig from Dakota Ridge High School. So coming up next. All right, what's good, y'all? So we got Ben Goldtig here. He's the 6'1", 190-pound quarterback from Dakota Ridge High School, class of 21. And so let's let's talk about the positives with Ben here first. And so Ben was requested quite a bit, uh, <clears throat> uh, more so during, I guess, championship week or leading up to championship week. That's about when we released our quarterback episode. So let's talk about Ben here. So first things first, uh, the ball just jumps out of his hands when he lets it go. You know, he's kind of one of those throwers where it seems like it's just like the flick of the wrist type of thing. And it doesn't look like he struggles to get it downfield or fit it in type wood tight windows and it seems very effortless to be honest you know his arm talent just in general it's there and it looks great and so Ben is somebody who you really don't have to worry about arm power with at all you know it just comes out great and you know it's like I said the ball just kind of jumps out of his hands and uh, when he throws it, it it seems electrifying at times so yeah, there you go. Another thing that I really like with Ben is that he's disciplined in the pocket, you know. He does well to stay tough and keep his eyes downfield. And, you know, he'll he'll stick in there to make the correct play. And that's what I like to see, you know, that toughness and that discipline uh, over there for Ben. Another thing is, uh, you know, Ben, he's a... He has a really good running ability, and he's a little tricky to bring down. You know, he runs the read option pretty well, to be honest, which is good because this is a running offense over at Dakota Ridge that they're running. But, you know, he does a really good job running the ball, and he's most definitely a threat as a runner. You can't, I I would say that you'd have to probably put somebody on him, and you can't just let him be, you know. You got to most likely put a quarterback spy on him and, you know, limit him to that degree and force him to throw a little bit more. So there you go. And then another thing with Ben, uh, from what I've heard, he's a great leader, you know, and he's great on and off the court. Uh, he led his team one game shy of state, just barely losing to Loveland 21-14. to And this was a tough Loveland team. Obviously, they blew out Palmer Ridge, 
But and look, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill to be honest. Luke McAllister is still the number one quarterback of this class, no question. And I'm saying that because you know I honestly think that Loveland game was a fluke. You know, uh, Palmer Ridge they came out a little bit too high and mighty and all that stuff. But we're not going to talk about that. You know. With that being said, Ben did play better than Luke McAllister did against this Loveland team. Does that make Ben better than Luke McAllister? No. Uh, in fact, it doesn't make him better than any of the other quarterbacks in our top five still. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but I'm still going to give him his credit. He played great or he played good enough against a Loveland team. They sadly just came a little short. Uh, lost 20-14. to 14. That's football. It happens. So there you go. But there are some pluses there, and there's definitely a lot of potential for Ben, and he could most definitely contribute to a school on the next level. But let's talk about errors of improvement slash negatives. This is where a lot of other quarterbacks kind of separate themselves from Ben Gutlig here. So let's talk about it. So number one, I kind of mentioned this before, but he played on a team that was definitely run first. You know, they ran a bunch of different running backs and all that stuff, which is cool, but uh, that just meant that the offense throwing was just a little bit limited for Ben, and there's just honestly not as much film out there throwing-wise as I would say most coaches would like. He just doesn't throw a bunch of um, routes, honestly. He doesn't really throw a wide variety. I saw maybe three or four different routes that he threw, and that's about it. Saw a lot of hitch routes, um, you know, saw some slants or crossing routes here and there, and then saw a lot. And I mean a lot of go routes. So there you go. You know, he threw those routes pretty well. You know, I'll give him that credit. But, you know, I really didn't see any deep comeback routes or out routes or anything crazy like that. Like he obviously didn't run the spread. And so for me, that's, you know, it's not exactly a red flag. It's just something to keep an eye on. You know what I mean? It's just something where if I'm a college coach, I'm thinking like, okay, well, can he throw those, uh, you know, more complicated routes or uh, throw more complicated passing patterns and whatnot? It's not a negative or a knock on him per se. It's just a non-known. And so as a coach, I would love to work him out and see if he can. But the problem is COVID's a thing. And so that's not as likely. So I, I honestly just don't know with that. Uh, another thing is, you know, along with playing in a run first offense, you know, he wasn't exactly the guy that you could lean on. You know, there are multiple players that you could lean on. And I mean that uh, as in, you know, this is a run first offense and they run a bunch of different guys. You know, you saw guys like Charles Offerdahl or Offerdale. He was doing his thing. Uh, they had a little sophomore running back that was doing his thing. Spencer Hardy obviously had some carries as well. And we talked about that on that D-line episode. Make sure you check that out if you haven't yet. And so, really, all I'm saying here is that he really wasn't, I would say, he really wasn't keyed in on by a lot of defenses. Or at least, if I was a defensive guy, I wouldn't focus on stopping Ben uh, Gutlig here. I'd focus on stopping the run game and all those running backs they got over there that are consistently gashing other teams. And so, with that being said, I do wonder if, you know, he could handle teams like king in on him and running more complicated defenses and whatnot just in general colorado football they don't run a bunch of complicated defenses out here really um they just don't you know and so that's just kind of another unknown there i do wonder if he can do that and then another thing here 
you know, he just didn't get it done against Loveland. You know, it's not the biggest deal because they're a great team and they ended up winning state. And, you know, he played a relatively clean game. But, you know, I'm just going to be honest. If you're a young quarterback out there, that's just something that you got to do. You have to have some sort of signature win. For me, I just didn't really see any signature wins for Ben Goodlick here. That was solely because of him. I saw signature wins here because of the great defense they have because, you know, they're a run-first, play-tough defense type of team. And I saw plenty of those, but I wouldn't say there were plenty of games where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that was all Ben. That was all Ben right there. And honestly, you know, when you're a recruiter, you're looking for things that'll separate your, you know, that prospect from others. And I just didn't see a game where he, you know, made his mark and separated himself from others. And so, look, there's a lot of things here, pretty much all of it, that Ben couldn't have really controlled. And so here's what I want to see. Um, first things first, I don't doubt that he could most likely be a D1 player, like FBS, FCS at all. I just think as a college uh, coach who, by the way, I already, you know, if I was a college coach, has a very limited amount of scholarships as is, and moving forward has will continue to have a limited amount of not just scholarships but roster spots as is, just because, you know, the NCAA, uh, they basically aren't running eligibility this year. So that means there's a lot of players who have played this year who will come back. And so there's going to be some backlog here. And uh, look, it's going to be hard to make, you know, make make a case for a guy like Ben who, you know, he's not good. He's not bad, but he's solid enough. But there's just not a lot here for me to be like, oh yeah, he's most definitely better than somebody that either I have on my roster or somebody else in the state or in the country at, the, at that. So what I would like to see, and I think this is probably his best bet if he wants to continue playing forward, you know, go to, go to a Juco, right? Go to a Juco, fight your way up, show that you can run a more complicated passing system. You could be a next-level quarterback. There are a lot of things here that I really like. I like that he's a leader. Love that he has great running ability. I love that the ball almost comes out effortlessly, right? There's a lot of things to like about him. And also, here, I'm going to you know double down on this. I really do think he's a great leader, and he's a good locker room guy, and he's not someone that you got to worry about. It's just film-wise and ability-wise, there's just a lot of unknowns. And so go to Juco. Prove yourself, work your way up a roster, do all that stuff. Or if you get a scholarship offer somewhere, you know, go to that school, take it, and then compete, right? That's all you really can do. And relish that opportunity to compete and whatnot and be a dog, you know, be someone that, you know, guys are going to look at and be like, oh, yeah, you know, that guy, he's a heck of a player. You know, he worked super hard to be here, right? So... I wish all the best of luck to Ben here. You know, I think he's he was part of a great program. You know, Coach Woj over there at Dakota Ridge. There, in my opinion, I respect them a lot. With Ben, there's just not a, enough film here for me to be like, yeah, you know, I feel good about giving him a scholarship that's already limited, as is, and will continue to be moving forward. And so, you know, I think Ben, I believe in him. I think he can earn his spot, but you know, it won't come easy and. I would say if there is an opportunity to play ball where he can get at least a partial scholarship or maybe even a preferred walk-on, you know, take it and then run with it because 
I would like to see Ben bet on himself. You know, that's something I tell a lot of not only my athletes, but a lot of my own students, you know, don't be afraid to bet on yourself. In life, there's not always going to be a straightforward answer, and you're going to have to make tough decisions. And so if it does come down to it, I'd love to see Ben bet on himself and succeed moving forward. But best of luck to Ben. You know, if you want to come on to the show, you're more than welcome to. Coming up next, we got Colin Russell, the quarterback out of Strasburg High School. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back. So here we're going to talk about Colin Russell, the 5'11", 160-pound quarterback out of Strasburg High School. So let's let's start with some of the areas of improvement here for Colin Russell here. First things first, you know, I would say pretty much all of the quarterbacks that we're going to talk about today, so not just Colin Russell, but including him for sure, they all played on run-first teams. And if you remember, going back to our top five running backs list, go ahead and check that out if you haven't yet. Strasburg's running back, Tristan Graff, made the list at number five. And he's the only 1A player in the state of Colorado to make any of our top five uh, positions list, at least as of right now. But I do think for this year, he will be the only 1A player because he is excellent. He's electrifying, in my opinion. And, you know, that is a little bit of a hit on Colin Russell. It's nothing personal. It's football, obviously. But what I mean by that is that they really leaned on Colin Russ, or sorry, they really leaned on Tristan Graff to carry this team, and that includes Colin Russell. And that shows because this year, Tristan Graff had more rushing yards than Colin Russell had throwing yards. Um, It's not the biggest difference. They're both around like 880 and 890. But Tristan Graff still had the upper hand, though. And so whenever you do have a team that runs first, you know, that always hurts the quarterback's play or outlook moving forward just a little bit. Because, you know, what it comes down to is that the defense is not keying on the quarterback. They're keying on the running back because he's the bigger threat as of then. And so that gives the quarterback some easier throws that um, you will see compared to other quarterbacks, and that's a little bit of a concern, you know. In addition, you know, Colin, he also slightly regressed from junior to senior year in terms of touchdowns-interception ratio and then completion rate. Um, He went from 17 touchdowns and three interceptions to 13 touchdowns and five interceptions this year. And then his completion rate dropped by 6% from 59 to 53. But that could kind of be argued, and I could argue that in the next uh, part here when talking about positives. So there you go. In addition, you know, they do play 1A football, so it's not like they're facing the craziest talent in the state. Like I said, there's only one top five player on our Colorado 21 Playmakers list, football edition. So that says all that really needs to say as of right now you know um there are some guys that we're gonna do breakdowns on so just keep that in mind but as of right now i do believe there's only really one real top five player so there you go in addition you know they blew out a lot of teams you know their closest game this season was against meeker they just barely won 36 to 34 you know colin russell actually played pretty well but Other than that, you know, they really didn't face a big threat until they went to the state championship game where they lost to Lyman 28-0. to 
um, didn't score at all. In fact, Colin Russell threw three interceptions that game. I don't necessarily blame him for those three interceptions because a lot of those came in the fourth quarter where it was garbage time and he was trying to get something going. So it is what it is, you know. I won't hold that against him, but he did throw two picks in the previous game leading into the state game. And in fact, you know, he didn't throw any touchdowns in that playoffs at all. So it does make me wonder, you know, how... It does make me wonder how worthy those wins and stats that he had against other teams of the regular season are compared to playoffs where you got teams that are very good and there's a lot of guys here that are playmakers and um, do their thing. Well, at least for 1A, do their thing. So, with that being said, let's talk about some positives here, right? So... There are flashes of great ball placement. You know, his arm's not the worst. He does engage his body well in those throws and whatnot. And so he has shown that he could zip it downfield for sure. So there's that potential there. Uh, there are times where he's shown that he can make great throws under pressure. There were multiple throws where I was like, oh, man, that's such a good throw because he's getting hit, but he knows where to place the ball, places it perfectly, you know, and it's there. Like I said, he is in a run-first offense, so he doesn't exactly have to throw a wide variety of routes. Uh, but the routes he does throw, they're usually pretty solid. You know, I, I liked what I saw. There was plenty on here, just from highlights, that I really, really liked. In addition, you know, he has a great run ability. He ran for 11 touchdowns his junior and senior year. He's someone who could honestly potentially switch positions at the next level and play a different position from quarterback because, you know, he had, does have decent speed and he could run the ball pretty well. But let's let's talk about Colin Russell here. So I don't completely hate the guy, you know. Well, obviously, I don't hate the guy at all. I don't completely hate the athlete, I should say. I think in a non-COVID world, there is a spot for him somewhere. I, it's not with a D1, maybe not with a D2. I think he could most definitely play D3, and he could probably play a little bit of D2. It just depends the spot. But COVID's a thing. And like I said, roster spots are limited. Scholarships are limited. Personally, if I was a college coach or scout, I wouldn't feel comfortable offering Colin Russell a full ride at quarterback. Even a partial scholarship is stretching it just a little bit, to be honest. And so here's why. I just think he's very raw. You know, there were a lot of opportunities opened up for him because he does have a great player like Tristan Graff, but he, he didn't always make the best out of those opportunities. Like I said, didn't really throw a good variety of routes. Also, it's won a competition, so it's not like it's like the craziest strategic stuff going on here, right? The craziest strategy or passing patterns that you have to do. It's 1A Colorado football. Maybe if it was 1A Texas or somewhere else, I could give a little bit more slack there, but not by much. And so with that being said, I personally think Colin Russell might do better playing a different position, you know? I think he could succeed as a running back. I think potentially on defense, I saw some defensive highlights when I looked at some of his full games. You know, he had he did have a pick, I believe, in that state championship game, which wasn't bad at all. Uh, I think he could move to defense, play safety or corner and be all right. Uh, you know, he doesn't have bad size. He's 5'11", 160. But I just think as of right now, from the film that I see, he will have to make quite a bit of adjustments to his game. In addition, he would also have to prove himself 
when he gets to a college campus or somewhere on that next level. And like I said, it's because there's just a lot of unknowns, you know. Can he throw out routes, comebacks, you know, more complicated routes and read more complicated pass patterns? Maybe. I just don't know because I didn't see that from the film and the game film that I watched. There's just a lot of unknowns there. And because of COVID, I I don't think I could possibly bring him in for a workout. If I was, it might be a little bit more trouble than it should. And so for Colin Russell, I would love for him to bet on himself, walk on somewhere, or even go Juco. Juco low-key might even be, be-, be a better uh, spot with more opportunities and then prove himself there. I do think there's some ability here. Like I said, he could run and then he could throw it. You know, there are flashes where he has excellent ball placement and he throws excellently under pressure and whatnot. You know, I just didn't see that consistently just because he is in a run first offense and they don't run complicated, crazy plays, you know. So there you go. Or or he switches positions, you know, plays DB or running back, succeeds there. I could see that, and then I could definitely see him gaining a full ride somewhere. Like I said, you know, scholarships or roster spots are limited, so if he's offered something, I believe he should take it. But there's a lot of potential for Colin Russell here. There are some excellent flashes. I'm going to be honest. There are some excellent flashes. But if you take a closer look at his stats, you take a look at the actual game film, because stats don't always tell uh, the whole story, then you kind of see where it all fits in here um on paper if you just look at stats it looks terrible (laughs) if you just look at playoff stuff it looks terrible i'll just be honest but if you look at the full work of body that he went through you look at you know just a player as is and look at the individual plays he makes there's something there and there's something that i like because obviously this is someone that's well respected among his team you know they they see him as a leader and whatnot so best of luck to Colin Russell here. I'm neither a doubter of him or a huge believer. I obviously wish the best for Colin Russell here. I think, you know, he can make big plays somewhere and he can be somebody that can potentially be a next level football player. It just might have to be a different position or at a different spot. So best of luck to him. Coming up next, we got Johnny Columbi or Columbi the Castleview quarterback. What's good, y'all? We're back with more requests. And right here, we got Johnny Columbia, the 6'3", 185-pound quarterback from Castleview High School. Johnny, you were requested a lot. I don't know, maybe if it's just the Castleview community or your team. Well, actually, on your team, your boys, Zeke Pierce, who actually moved to Arapahoe this last year, but... You know, we did a breakdown on him. Make sure you check out that episode. And then Zane Wodark, uh, we did a separate breakdown on him. Check that episode as well. They both requested you, man. So, you know, this is all the love from your fans and from your boys. And so here we go. I'm not going to lie. I really like what I see here. I think he is probably the best quarterback on this episode of requests that we're doing right now. So, Let's go ahead and jump right into the positives. So straight up, 3.85 GPA. That's awesome. Keep it up, man. You know, that separates you from other players, not only in this state, but in the country. You know, he'll most definitely be able to get a good amount of scholarship money just from that. And so that's always a plus because that also means that, you know, 
Uh, some colleges, they'll have a little bit more flexibility when offering you and may have more of a spot available just because, you know, spots are limited. Scholarships are more limited than usual. So awesome job there. Another thing, I, there was a huge jump, at least a pretty significant jump in my opinion, from junior to senior year. Despite playing in way less games and having, you know, obviously limited practices leading up and all that stuff. So, you know, let's just talk touchdown to ratio first. So, it's nothing crazy, but he did throw 10 touchdowns to one interception. That's pretty good. That's efficient. And, obviously, that's better than throwing for four touchdowns and four picks. So, there you go. Completion percentage went up from 51 to 57%. So, very good job there. Then, also, this year, he averaged 154.9 yards per game, which is very, very solid. And so, I love the progression that I saw there. Uh, this goes without saying, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'm just going to say, you know, he does play in a run first offense. And so for him to make those improvements, that's big time because there are less opportunities in a run first offense. And so, you know, that's good that he was able to capitalize on that this year when given that chance to play some football and, you know, improve those numbers for sure. Also, despite playing in a run-first offense, I think this is worth mentioning, he did throw a solid variety of routes against good 5A competition. He played uh, Valor Christian this year and Fairview, so, you know, those are two teams that aren't slouches at all, and he he did his thing, you know. I saw a good variety of routes. It, doesn't, it just wasn't hitch-and-go routes. You know, you saw some out routes, some uh, out and goes, some slants and some crossing routes. You saw a good variety there. And that's what I like to see. That's most definitely what I like to see out of Johnny Columbia here, you know, separating himself from the other quarterbacks on this list and just some other quarterbacks in the state in general, to be honest. And then while doing that, you know, he is just a good game manager and I know that comes with a little bit of a bad connotation but to be honest <laughs> on that next level game managers is sometimes what you need you need guys who can manage the game not turn over the ball and he really didn't turn over the ball that ball as you could see from the one interception he had this year and so that's great you know he took care of the ball you love to see that that's discipline uh, shown in stats right there in addition, he has a very solid throwing arm with good accuracy shown at times. You know, he does play in a run-first offense, but he does throw the ball really well, you know. I saw a lot of great deep balls. He has a beautiful deep ball, has excellent placement on that. It's awesome to see. I also like how he could extend the play, you know, for as long as possible and just keep it going and throw on the run. He does a good job of that, avoiding sacks and keeping the play alive. That's what you like to see out of a game manager type of quarterback as well. So, and then obviously he's also a very well-respected leader. He was requested a good amount. And so that's obviously respect for his game here. So there's probably some really good intangibles there as well. But Let's go ahead and talk about errors of improvement slash negatives. So same thing like with Ben and Colin, you know, he just runs a very simplistic offense. A lot of one read throws and you could tell because it's designed one read throws. They basically just have the same formation that they could either run out of or throw out of. And then when they throw out of, it's pretty rare to be honest. Obviously, Johnny makes it work, but it is pretty simplistic. I do wonder if he can handle a little bit more complicated 
passing patterns. You know, he's already playing against great competition on the 5A level, but I I just like to see if he could throw some more complicated passing patterns with more than one or two reads. Because a lot of the time, they really only have three or four receivers max uh, running a route. So those are only three or four options that he could pick from choosing from when it comes to throwing the ball. And so there's just doubts there, you know. I I don't know if he could make those throws. I don't know if he could or if he can. It's just a big unknown. You know how it is. Another thing as well, you know, he just wasn't focused on a lot. Uh, I, yeah, you got guys like Zane Wodark there. You had Zeke Pierce. Those are guys who, you know, you could focus on or you had to focus on or this team was going to run all over you and do whatever they wanted to you. Kind of another knock there. You know, like I said, it's just all the same things with Ben and Colin. It's a shame because they can't really, you know, they can't really control that without transferring. And obviously that means leaving friends, potentially leaving family, going to a new spot, earning your spot there, and it could get complicated, you know. But that's the position they were in. Also, you know, he just has a very limited game film. In my opinion, I think Castleview probably could have sneaked into the playoffs, but because it was a COVID year and I don't think they were taking as many teams, they didn't. And that kind of hurts him because Johnny Columbia would have definitely benefited more if he had more film because I think he would have succeeded. He would have put up more stats. It would have looked great and whatnot, but 10 touchdowns to one interception isn't exactly eye-popping. With all of that being said, here's what I want out of Johnny Columbia. I like the raw ability of this guy. In fact, I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the state of Colorado. I won't rank him necessarily just because I think that's a little hard to do, but he's definitely up there. He also has prototypical D1 size. You know, the arms there doesn't make a lot of mistakes. From what I hear, he has a lot of great intangibles. Like he works hard. He's a good leader. But as a college coach, like I said, just from what I see right now and the lack of film, the offense that he played in, it would be really hard for me to offer him a full ride or a partial scholarship right now. I could see him getting a preferred walk-on and then eventually earning that. But like I said, roster spots are limited. Scholarships are limited. So he will have to go maybe a little bit of a tougher route than a lot of other quarterbacks would or than Johnny would if COVID didn't exist, to be honest. In my opinion, I think he does have the highest ceiling out of these three quarterbacks. I think Johnny Columbia could potentially be an FBS quarterback. I'm confident in saying that. I think he has that potential, and it's there. But there are things that are unknown. And so for Johnny... I think if he was to go to a JUCO, he, and I, look, I'm a believer in Johnny. I could say that. I'm a believer in Johnny Columbia here. But but if he was to go to a JUCO, I think he would light it up. And I think if he was to light it up, it would give, it would give coaches less excuses to not offer this guy and give him a chance to be on a roster and compete and contribute to a team. If he does get a scholarship or even a partial scholarship somewhere, I say take it because you never know. You could move up or you could transfer or anything could happen. 
that's just how college football is. It could be a little bit of a business, and there's maybe there's a lot of unknowns sometimes. But with Johnny Columbia, I think he's a very consistent quarterback. I think he's someone who has a lot of talent there, but it just wasn't used as well as it could have been on the high school level. And I believe in him. I think he could be an excellent quarterback on the next level. I just got to see if he can take some of those more complicated passing patterns. And so, and this goes to all the quarterbacks who are listening to this. Hopefully you got this far, but if you're one of the other quarterbacks listening to this, I need you to go into the film room, wherever that is on the next level and study your butt off, study pass concepts, study defensive concepts, know know the playbook of whatever school you're at inside and out. That's a minimum, to be honest. And then after that, your play will reflect how much work you put in. And I think, you know, obviously talent has a play here. And I personally think Johnny Columbia, because of his talent, can be someone who can master a playbook and then put up numbers. I won't say record-breaking numbers or anything crazy like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did that either for a Juco out there. But, yeah, that's Johnny Columbia. I think he's a sleeper. I think whatever school gets him may be getting someone who is one of Colorado football's best-kept secrets. So just keep an eye out for Johnny Columbia here. Uh, Johnny, if you're out there, you know we'd love to have you on the show. We think you're a heck of a talent, and that goes for everyone, really. So there you go. Coming up next, uh, we got our last player, and he's not a quarterback. He is a lineman, and that's Mason Maddox. Coming up next. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast right here. We got our last player of today. That's Mason Maddox from Cherokee Trail High School, 6'2", 265. He is a defensive tackle, and he actually just recently committed to the University of Colorado. So, hey, Mason, if you're listening to this, congrats, bud. You know, that's very well-deserving. Good job there. But we're going to do a breakdown anyways. He was requested, and so here we go. Let's go ahead and talk some positives here. Uh, Real quick. We're going to shout out, or I'm going to shout out another Mason, and that's Mason Austin. He's somebody who will be doing scouting reports and stuff for uh, defensive and offensive linemen. In addition, I think he will do a little bit of linebackers as well. And so I just got to shout out Mason Austin. You know, make sure you throw him a follow on Twitter or Instagram. And then if you have any film, send it to him, and he'll make sure to do a little uh, scouting report on that. Send it to either me and Cody, and we'll get you on here for sure. So shout out to Mason Austin. This is the very first player that we are doing a breakdown of that he did a scouting report for. So here we go. So let's go ahead and talk about strength. So first off, he has great size and strength for a lineman. Um, he has D1 size, 6'3", 265. That's no slouch at all. This guy's a monster. So just keep that in mind. In addition, apparently he runs a 4940, which is pretty fast for a defensive tackle, nose tackle type of guy. Obviously, his measurables are pretty insane. You could t- check out his Twitter. You know, he could lift. He's he's as strong as some of the best of them in the state, to be honest. And he's, he's definitely a dog out there. He most definitely has the athleticism to make it on the next level, the D1 level. In addition, you know, he just has great power as well as very, very solid fundam- fundamentals. You know, he recognizes uh, plays very well. He has great play recognition, specifically run plays where 
he he just knows where the ball is going. He knows where uh, the offense is flowing, and he's there, you know. And he sheds a very well, forces running backs to make very quick decisions. Mason Maddox is a very cerebral type of player, in my opinion, you know. If he's not, then he just has really great instincts, but I'm pretty sure he knows plays very well, knows where it's going to go, and that's what you need out of a D1 defensive lineman. That what That's what separates a lot of D1 defensive linemen from others. Others as in other guys who aren't D1 defensive linemen, and so that kind of, that's attributed to his play recognition once again. Mason Maddox is very solid there. So there's no... <laughs> Look, let, I'm just going to be honest. There's no wonder that he did go to CU and he got that opportunity to play to CU. In my opinion, it's very deserving. But let's go ahead and talk about areas of improvements here. One of the biggest areas of improvements for Mason is that, you know, his ankles seem to be probably the weakest point in his play. I would say, you know, his speed makes up for it. But on the higher level, that won't be as effective. So I'd like to see Mason Maddox take some better angles as a uh, tackler. And that's just continuing to take a ton of reps and being very, very disciplined. And so I'd like to see him improve on that. In addition, you know, obviously he's a defensive tackle. So it's not like this is the biggest priority. But, you know, pass rush production is a little bit of a concern. Obviously, he still had four sacks this year, which was pretty good in a COVID season. But I would like to see maybe a little bit more. He does have good block shedding, but maybe if he had a more variety of pass rush moves, I'd feel a little bit better about him there. Like, don't get me wrong. He block shuts very well against the run. But like I always said, there's a difference between block shedding against the run and against the pass. Against the pass... As a lineman, you got to be aggressive. You need to collapse that pocket, break that pocket as quickly as possible. And so I think he has a solid enough bull rush, but I would like to see if some spins, you know, rips, uh, swim moves, whatever, you know. Uh, and in addition, it wouldn't hurt to get faster hands as well. And so that's just working on getting quicker hands you know there's a bunch of different exercises you could do for that boxing is like a fun one so there you go in general it wouldn't hurt to develop quicker instincts as well because with Mason Maddox obviously he's a d1 type of player but I want to see him go to that next level I want to see him potentially go NFL or at least be an all-conference type of player or obviously he'll have to start to do all that. So that's probably the first step there. So those are some improvements I'd like to see for sure. You know, just having a bigger, a wider variety of pass rush moves in his arsenal. And I'd like to see that used a little bit more. And then I would also like to see just in general reflexes, athleticism improve. Specifically, I'd like to see him put a little bit more weight. He's a little light at 6'3", 265. I think he'll continue to fill out once he gets into the CU program, but I always say this for linemen 300 nowadays, at least for interior linemen, whether that's offense or defense. That's the goal. If you're at a D1, you want to be a little bit heavier at least 300 the one exception is maybe Aaron Donald but he compensates for that in a lot of different ways by not always being at that 300 pound mark but for Mason Maddox I think 300 pounds is a good goal here doesn't have to do it this year but if we could get there by the end of his playing career here at CU that would be pretty good and I think he could honestly have a pretty solid chance at that next level but 
you know, that's very hard to project forward. Let's just focus on getting better right now, becoming a starter, and keeping that scholarship ultimately. So there you go. But hey, congrats to Mason Maddox for committing to the University of Colorado. We'll be watching for sure. And Mason, if you're out there, feel free to come onto the show. We'd love to uh, talk about your breakdown a little bit more here as well. But with that being said, that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok for for all the content in the world and continue to send us requests we'll try to get through as many as possible and look out for cody's request episode on wednesday but i'm your host simon voyanos and have a great day